Um, if your child would like to attend, we need a non-refundable $75 deposit by February 1st. Um, you can pay cash, uh, card. We have it set up on Shelby Next, and you can also find me for that as well. Um, speaking of children, we are excited to be celebrating Sanctity of Life Sunday together today. And we have a special guest with us from Choices, our local crisis pregnancy center that cares for families from prenatal to postnatal care. And so we welcome Anthony Griggs, who will share more with us about that. Can you hear me now? All right. Um, my name is Anthony Griggs, and I work with Choices, and I'm here just to tell you a little bit more about what we do. Um, so um, the main thing that we do is um, our purpose is to minister to um, the entire family. Like when you think about a pregnancy center, or at least when I did at first, you know, I would think about the lady and the baby inside of her. And obviously we are there to serve the lady and her baby. But we also want to serve the man who comes in because oftentimes when someone comes in experiencing an unexpected pregnancy, she'll bring her partner. So we don't just want to attend to the lady and her baby, but we also want to attend to the father of the baby because he's part of the family. And our ultimate goal at Choices is to help the family pursue Jesus Christ. Um, some of the things that we do at Choices are um, free pregnancy tests and free ultrasounds. Um, what I like to tell people is as soon as they walk through the door, they don't have to pay anything. Once you come through Choices front doors, all of our services are free. Um, so we, like I said, we do free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds. Um, for people who decide to choose life, we also offer parenting classes on our family services side. And that just gives us a really good chance to sit down with the mother of the baby or the father and just get to know them better. Um, we have a video series that we go through. Um, we discuss information such as what's it look like to spend time with the child, just all the things about stepping into parenthood. One of the really cool things about the parenting program, though, is that we get to share the gospel. And I actually want to share a personal story about a client that I met about a year ago. So um, about a year ago, um, a fa the father came in with his girlfriend, and they were... Um, experiencing an unexpected pregnancy. So I take him back to the men's waiting area, and as, I, as I'm as i talking with him, he just opened up. Like, I was a little bit nervous. I didn't know if he was going to be clammed up and not want to talk about anything, but he was very transparent about the situation, and he told me that they were thinking about getting an abortion. Now, this wasn't a situation where he's like, this kid's going to ruin my life. Um, we're just going to get rid of it. He He was pretty conflicted about it. But he said, I don't feel like I'm in a financial spot right now to take care of a baby. And at the moment, we're thinking about getting an abortion. So I was able to share with him one of the other cool things that we do, which is um, with our parenting class, we have a program called Earn While You Learn. And that gives you a chance, excuse me, that gives you a chance to earn points that you can use to buy things in our baby boutique that you need for a baby. Um, bottles, diapers, clothes, all the way up to car seats and cribs. It's a great way to save money while you're um, being mentored by somebody. So I just got to go into detail about that with him. And at the end of the meeting, he was like, thank you for talking with me. Um, my girlfriend and I, we're going to think about the things that you said. 
Well, the next week they come back to um, do the ultrasound. So I get to talk with him again and just see how he's doing. And I can't remember the exact details, but I think at the end of that meeting, he said that he was interested in pursuing the parenting class, which means they were going to choose life. So that was just a huge, um, it, was, it was just awesome to experience that with him. So a few weeks later, he comes to his first parenting class, and, you know, we continue to get to know each other, and I get to walk this journey with him. Several weeks in, I just ask him about, you know, his relationship with Jesus and how, how he feels about it. A few weeks earlier, I'd got to ask him about that, and he, um, he, he wasn't saved. He said that, you know, other people believe what they believe. I believe what I believe. I'm not going to try to impose my beliefs on anybody. He said something to that extent. Well... In this particular meeting, I just asked him, like, you know, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? We had been talking about it for a while, and he said yes. So he allowed me to pray with him, and then he prayed to accept Jesus into his heart. And the reason I share this story is because choices is not just about, you know, helping people who are in a, helping people with the pregnancy, but we want to go deeper with them. And... That's one of the first times that I got to lead an adult to Jesus Christ. It's, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. Um, he's still coming to the parenting classes, he and his girlfriend. Well, I, I think they're married now, actually. Another really cool moment of my life is holding their baby. So they've had their baby now, and he is, if I remember correctly, six months. He's a little fatty. But every time I find out that they're there for a parenting class, I make sure to go so I can go see their baby. So... Um, yeah, that story will always stick with me. Before I head out, I just want to give you some updates about um, some things that have happened since Roe versus Wade. Unfortunately, there are abortions still happening in Tennessee, even though they shouldn't be. Well, they shouldn't be happening anywhere. But Tennessee, in Tennessee, people are still finding ways to get abortions. So I'm going to ask all of you to continue praying with us because this is something that's still happening. People are still pursuing them. But prayer is a powerful tool, and it works. I've seen it work in my personal life. I've seen it work in other people's life. And the more people we get praying, it just, I don't know exactly how that looks in the spiritual realm, but the more people that we have praying, the more effective that it is. The second thing I would like to share is um, our parenting program. So as it is now, um, when parents decide to go into our program, our parenting program, they're eligible for the program up until their child turns one, which is great. But recently we've implemented another program which allows them to continue with the parenting program. It's a little different. Instead of one-on-one, -on -one, they're in a group with a lot of other parents and, and their children, and they get to learn together. But we've implemented that, and they're eligible to that for that program up until the child turns two. So it's just really cool that once they graduate out of the first program, they can continue with the learning process and discipleship and just, you know, networking with other parents. The last thing I would like to share with you is um, our abortion pill reversal. So um, sometimes people will begin the process of an abortion, but in the middle of it, they'll realize, hey, I've made a huge mistake. Well, there's now a pill called the abortion reversal pill, and in a few months, Choices will be able to offer that to the public. And that's huge because... We've actually had somebody a couple of weeks ago who experienced that they started the process and then they're like, wait, what have I done? And we're able to get them the help that they need to undo that process. So 
that's all I have to share this morning. Thank you so much for having us. At the end of service, Priscilla and I will be at a table out in the foyer if you'd like more information. Thank you. I appreciate that, Anthony, and as you mentioned, he and Priscilla will be here uh, to sh answer any questions you may have. Inside of your bulletin, you'll notice that there is uh, an insert there that allows us to uh, have a little bit more information, some contact, and a little bit of a description of what uh, their ministry is about, and uh, a very worthwhile endeavor. Uh, one of the things that we seek to do at uh, Grace is annually, uh, well, not just in the sense of just this day, but throughout the year, try to encourage us as a church to be remembering their work, the, the things that they do, the ministry that they have. And I know several of you give on a regular basis, and that is something you can consider doing. Uh, even today, uh, if you are interested in uh, providing a, a special designated offering, you can do that. Uh, you can do it in our offering baskets that are located in the facility here. You can do it online. And I uh, really encourage you to get connected with and understand more about this ministry called Choices and the work that they are doing. appreciate them. Thank you, Anthony, for your time in that this morning. There's several other things there that's in the bulletin that I hope that you'll take a moment to notice and uh, to be aware of. But uh, one other aspect of this morning and thinking about today and thinking about life and the sanctity of life, uh, we are uh, excited that we have two families that wish to go through uh, a time uh, of what we call child dedication. And this is a time where we as a church, reflect on uh, our role, our partnership with young parents and uh, their families and helping them through the process of uh, understanding and growing and maturing, not only uh, watching their own children mature, but also them as parents and how they handle the choices and the decisions that life brings them as a result of now being parents. And so thinking about this as a church, we have uh, two families here today, the, the Reese family and the Leverage family, and uh, Jeff and Bethany are presenting Emily Joy, and Neil and Brianna are presenting Jesse Rise, Reese, Rise, Reese. I sh knew I should have asked what that was beforehand. But at the same time, um, we're grateful for their willingness and understanding that what this really is really saying is, is that uh, they are presenting their children that God has blessed them with in a public display of saying that as a church, we recognize that this is something that I can't do on my own. And at the same time, that uh, we have an opportunity as a church to come alongside as the community of God and to encourage them, to lift them up. And so this is really more in the sense of a parent dedication as much as a child dedication. It is about us understanding our partnership with these parents and helping them bringing what God has taught us and the truths of his word to come alongside them. Thinking about it also as the parents and that understanding that though there is nothing in scripture that says I must dedicate my child, uh, there is a lot in scripture that does talk about our responsibility as parents and the ways that we see that is in many times like the other things in life where we give ourselves symbols or days that we set aside and we account that as a time to kind of go back to and remember and reflect upon really a, an overt decision made to say I want to do something specific here at a point in time in my life to say this child has meaning and I appreciate and I bear that weight of responsibility and so a day like this is acknowledging the instruction that God has given to us as parents to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. 
And then also thinking about this is really this is not a statement of salvation. There is nothing meritorious. There is nothing sanctifying here. We are not doing this in a way that would be considered in the sense of being anything that's related to sin or their condition in their spiritual walk with God. This has everything to do with us as coming around them and being a body of people that will illustrate the truth of God's word in a way that we are committed to recognizing this for all of the children that are part of our ministry. And so we bear that and we hold that and we take it very seriously and we appreciate parents who really understand their partnership in this, their weight of responsibility. And I think all of us who are parents really can never shy away from or neglect the weight of responsibility of what it means to truly be dad, to be mom to our children. And so we have a day today that allows these families to present their children and to uh, really hold something in their minds and hearts as back on this day, on January the 22nd, this child in many ways was presented before the Lord and we are also presenting our children in front of our church to say, let's come together and help us be a people that will bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so I encourage us to think upon these things as we prepare ourselves to hear and to be challenged by these. In order to go further, I'd ask Kelly O'Rear to come, our discipleship pastor and family pastor, to come and to continue challenging us and what this means for us as we think about the sanctity of life, but also the blessing of having life in our homes. Thank you, Pastor. So um, Pastor addressed the first part to us as a church, and this is us as married and single. We all play a role in the body of Christ and in ministering to these families. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. So to our parents this morning, and like Neil and Brian, you've been a part of this so many times, you could probably do this better than I could um, and make some good adaptations to it. But just a reminder for all of us that our primary calling as parents is to love the Lord our God with all our heart begins there. So yes, we want to train and we want to inspire our children to live their intended calling, which is to worship the God of the Bible, the one true God with all their hearts, but we cannot commend what we do not cherish. And so our first calling when it comes to this parent dedication is to love God with all your heart. So your walk with Christ, your relationship with him is primary. Then we're called, Deuteronomy tells us, to teach our children diligently. We're to raise them surrounded by community, the people of God in our church. We're never to outsource our parenting, although God is going to bring godly parents, uh, other parents and grandparents and family, both married and singles, and they're going to come alongside us and they're going to be a blessing to our kids and they're going to also inspire them in their pursuit of Christ and in their delight in Christ. But dads, we're called to be our kid's pastor, our primary pastor. Like our home is like a little church and we're called to be the, the pastor there. We're to be the spiritual leader in our homes. 
So may they follow Jesus as they see us following Christ. Imperfectly, yes, but surrounded in grace. The Apostle Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So dads, we have a calling. Mom, there is no way to measure your influence and your loving reflection of God's grace in the day-to-day training of our children. So as I said, alongside of you, there's going to be godly parents and grandparents. There's going to be coaches. There's going to be teachers that will influence. But we have the primary responsibility. But make the most of conversations to realize you're not alone in the challenges that you face. And we were just laughing about some things just a little while ago about that. Because somebody's going to wake up and refuse to eat breakfast on the morning of the parent-child dedication. So, you know... Sometimes you have to have a talk with your wife and say, no, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I won't say who had that conversation this morning. Um, But we as your church, it's a joy to be a part of your lives, to know you, to love you, and to be a part of this moment with you. So, parents, if you would stand and come up front, and if you'll face the congregation, parents, in presenting your child to the Lord, is it your intent in dependence upon God's grace and with the partnership of the local church to live wholly devoted to Christ, to be reflections of his loving authority and to encourage your child to trust Christ as their King and Savior, becoming his faithful follower. Is that your intent? It is. Okay. Church, would you please stand? As members of Grace Baptist Church, is it your desire to join these parents in the nurture and instruction of their children, that each of these children may be led in due time to trust Christ as Lord, confess him in baptism, and become a follower of Jesus? Is it your intent? Amen. Pastor? Let's pray together. And in this time as well, I hope that our hearts will be joined together with these and our, our design as a church, what God has designed us to be. And that is that we are disciple makers. We truly follow Christ and therefore we call these to follow with us. So let's bow our hearts together and pray in this moment. Father, we're grateful for not only just a service that we can enter into, a time together in this weekly arrangement that we made. We're following that impression that was given to us in that first day of the week when your disciples gathered together and began to establish in our hearts a longing, a desire to come together and be a partner together in this discipleship venture. And Lord, we grow, our families grow, people become part of this family, the church, the body of Christ, and we recognize that these extensions began to blossom into then children of children and so forth. And Lord, we're grateful for the representation of these families. Lord, we are grateful for the Loveridges and the Reeses and Lord, thank you for each one of these individual children that represent the hope and the anticipation of what life and what future and progeny and and legacy and all these things. Lord, thank you for their hearts and their existence. And so, Lord, I pray that as the parents that are here this morning, Lord, those that are standing here and those that are standing in the pew, that, Lord, we would really unite our hearts in the desire to truly come alongside and to help bring people to an awareness of who Jesus is from the youngest to the oldest. Lord, may we be committed to that in helping these families in their journey. Lord, I pray for the children and Lord, each one, Lord, they would come to their own personal faith, their own personal understanding, what it means to truly know Jesus as his or her personal savior. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would be committed 
people dedicated to helping and to be a partner in this ministry of the gospel. And Lord, I pray that we would truly cherish every opportunity to share Christ with those that are around us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would commit ourselves to helping and to being a partner in this relationship that we share with families with our own ministry. So guide and direct, we pray, and we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Family, go back to their place, and we look forward to worshiping together here this morning. So remain standing, if you would. Fred's going to lead us as we commend ourselves in this first song together. Amen.
singing this morning. John chapter 1, if you would go with me back there again. 
John's Gospel, chapter 1. The concept of John and the way that he presents us over and over again, he begs us to come and see. This is a person, this relationship that we can share with the person of Jesus Christ. And in a lot of ways, that is exactly what our lives become. And, and going back again to John chapter 1, looking again at these verses that we spent some time on last week, and thinking about some ways that John opens us to understanding this person of Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 3, There all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Father, I pray as we take a moment now to open your word and to explore its meaning and truth. Lord, understand it even on a day like today where we think about those that are in a point of choice, in a point of decision. Lord, having within them a, a life and an awareness, a pregnancy test has been taken and a, a little life is now growing inside of a, a young mother's womb and the question comes to, not to keep. Lord, I pray that we would appreciate the meaning of even these verses that we've just read and significance of the weight of that choice. And so lead us this morning to understand some things about what we're against and at the same time what we're for. And Lord, most importantly, that people would recognize who you are as the person that has come to give life. So bless, I pray, our time in Christ's name. Last time we spoke of this substance that is the person of Jesus Christ. You notice what he says in verse 4, In him was life, and the life is the light of men. The word is life, and he is light. And so today we think on this in connection with the focus of our day and the sanctity. Thinking about how it is that we could come to a place where we would be willing to look at life as being something that is questionable or as a choice. What does that mean? I know we understand that phrase in relation to the debate over how we view the unborn organism. Even when I say it that way, how does that sound to you? To those who believe they have a right to choose the destiny of this material blob, then it is simply an organic substance of no more significance than a piece of fruit or even a root vegetable. Do we simply pluck it out, throw it away, or do you let it grow to a point of maturity and then somehow transfer significance to it once it leaves the uterus? How is it that we have no qualm over the abortion concept, but we grow outraged when someone walks into our schools and murders our first graders and our kindergartners? Why is it that we have no qualm with the unborn child, but yet let someone sexually abuse one of our children and we grow outraged? When did we transfer the understanding of life to this, of significance and of value that didn't have its place in the womb, and yet sometimes we are misplaced, even our understanding of that, even within our Christian circles? To say that life is to be sacred, we are identifying that the heart of our view has an appraisal system to it. When we talk about the sanctity of life, we're talking about the value of life, that something is sacred, to possess life as being important, to think about life differently than those that would say that is simply an organic structure. But how is life different in different organisms? We've got groups today that 
want to make it out that if you eat anything that is grown, a plant, you're committing murder. If you go out and you hunt a deer for its meat, you have committed murder. So what makes humanity different from the animals or from the plants? If everything is living, what if we do not see them as different? And what is interesting is that most who would go to the extremes of believing that there is life within the plants and then in the animals really have no qualms with you then taking life into your own hands and have no trouble with you committing then abortion. In John chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, John has established for the world a basis of worth. I want you to notice with me just a couple of thoughts here this morning as we tie this to what John is saying about his identity with Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ's identity is with the world and how even on topics and subject matters like abortion, the sanctity of life, dealing with life even in the unborn phase, how do we then view life as God would have us to? couple thoughts here this morning. First of all, that value is based upon distinction. What is interesting is how scripture reminds us, especially even in John 3, that John articulates a creator and with that a designer. Everything that came into being was because of this word, because of him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being, as verse 3 says. And to think of life as sacred We must understand that the value comes from being unique from anything else that was given identity. Think about the battles of our society today and the realization that we're not dealing with just abortion rights. We're dealing with the metaphysical challenge to understand our identity identity even as male or female. It's not just my partner of choice and how I wish to express my sexual orientation, my physical attraction anymore. Is now coming down to how do I interpret my own identity and worth. The further we remove our basis of value, the further we get away from the estimation of what makes us distinct as humanity, the further we remove ourselves from a clear view of what grants us our identity. And what is the identity of that small creation in the womb of a human being? Is that a human being? Or is it just simply a collection of tumors, an organic structure without any reason to exist, an appendage that is easily able to be exercised from the body? And according to God, though, we have value. It is the only part of his creation where in Genesis 1 and 2, in all of the creative design that God went through, it is the only part of the creative order, the creative act, where God literally has a conversation about what he's about to create. He goes through everything else up to this point, and he gets to this day and this moment in time where he establishes the human race upon this planet, and he pauses and he stops, and he has a congregational conversation. Let us make man, and let's do it in a unique way. Let's separate him from everything else that we have made up to this point, and let's distinguish him as being uniquely suited for something that we have not given to any other part of this creation. We are going to make man in our image. And from the very beginning, God established a place for us as his very special creation. But then the darkness came. And sin entered into the world. And rebellion against the creator God presumed a distinction apart from God. But what does that look like? Are we capable of being something created from our own imagination and our own design? 
And what does that look like now? And what we are witnesses of, even in our society and in our culture and in our framework as humanity is where we have come to, we are an angry creation. We are a confused creation. We are a displaced creation. The value of our distinction is that we are a uniquely crafted life. The very word that is chosen here in John chapter 1, the word used for life here in verse 4, is referring to the contrast to what man has attempted to create without a sense of responsibility to God. When he says in him was life, it stands in sharp, sharp contrast to everything that man has attempted and has called his life. I like how the TDNT puts it when he writes this way. It says, in the New Testament thinking, indestructibility is part of the concept of life. In this sense, life belongs to God. It goes on, and this life is true life in comparison with which the life which is subject to death cannot be regarded as true life, but is distinguished from what it is is as provisional life. This life that Jesus offers is something that comes from himself and to something distinct from all of the other things that he has given as part of his existence and part of what else is created. Everything different from what we would understand as humanity. Life is sacred. It is what God breathed into us and how we developed even a soul. These unborn children are living beings. They are the distinct and living choices of God's distinct design for allowing more of us as the human race to be brought into existence. And within just two to three weeks, at the soonest time possible for a woman to know that she is pregnant, the brain is already starting to compute. This is life, and it is precious. This is something that Christ was there at the beginning and spoke into its very existence. We are valuable because we are a distinct creation as part of the sum total of all that God created. Now there's a second statement of estimation here. Not only is value based upon a distinction, but second of all, value is based upon choice. It is interesting, the word that they within certain groups have chosen to use in the concept of choice. I think it's really neat that we have choices with us today. What a word. You see, value is determined when there is a choice. If you never had an option, how would you estimate the worth of what you have? If your house is on fire, you've heard this, right? What's the first thing you grab for? I've, I've been amazed at stories of people that are running out of houses, burning houses, and literally in nothing but their undergarments, the things that they will reach for in that moment of, of haste. It's bizarre. You ought to read sometime. Try to find some stories. It's, it's, it's uncanny and weird sometimes. I mean, things like a pair of slippers or, you know, just weird things, leaving behind all kinds of wealth, but choosing to take something that has maybe sentimental value over something that has monetary value. But think about it this way. You come to the end of your hallway and the fires are raging and you've got a door to your left and a door to your right and the people are inside of those rooms. Which room do you enter? And you can only save one. How do you place a price tag on a life? And in the moment of indecision, a lot of people have been captured at the end of hallways, smoke inhalation and death, 
because they got to a place of indecision and couldn't make a choice. Choices say a lot about our values and what can cause us to weigh the consequences of those choices. It's one thing to choose between two inanimate objects, but it's another to choose between the living and the dead. There's two stories I want to share with you. The first story is about a man who discovered that his mother had tried to abort him before he was delivered, and this was back in 1931. The story has it that the fellow, being now in his mother's womb with a mom that has a husband that is in the hospital facing death, discovers that she is pregnant, having other children in the home, it comes to a point of unbelievable emotional angst, listens to the advice of a neighbor begins to drink something in order to start the abortion process, gets scared to death, rushes to another family friend, and begins to divulge what they had attempted to do. And through the process of God's mercy, the child was not actually aborted, and the child came into the world. The sad reality is that the man did not know this until the day in which his mother died. When she divulged it on her deathbed, and shared the story that she had tried to abort him back in 1931. And she had lived with the guilt of that failed attempt, but also because she lived with the fear, the guilt of what it would mean to have even been willing to make the choice. The reason for the book that I read the story in is is this now a man who said, I lived with that knowledge for over 30 years before I realized that I was living in denial. And he has now written something to encourage others who maybe have already gone through an abortion process to remind them of how much Jesus still loves you and that he's willing to forgive. In a moment of rash decision, in a moment of an emotional decision, a life could have potentially been snatched away. But it bears testimony to the fact that even though there was an attempt, even prior to the birth of this child, we have story after story like that where the failures of, of an attempted abortion happen. Life comes. How do we not make the connection of our choices. In time, he understood that she had accepted the forgiveness that Christ had for her, and yet she wrestled to ever share this news with her son till it was staring her in the face. But he had never known, and the relationship between him and his mother had been a sweet relationship. Don't let the darkness destroy the truth that life is precious and has value. The darkness doesn't comprehend the light. The darkness is not able to grasp the value of the light, the truth. The darkness is not something that registers the significance and the value of truth. Abortion is about a choice. It is about the choices that lead to an unwanted pregnancy. It is about the choice of whether you value life as God made it. It is about dealing with the decisions of others, whether it's through rape or incest or all the things that can lead a young mother to make a choice. Some of them forced, and some of them her own. And in the darkness of despair, in the darkness of that moment, a lot of decisions can be made that compound the failures of abortion is about a choice. The other story that I want to share is one that I've had the privilege of living out and understanding firsthand. Back in 2009, my father-in-law shared the news through some amazing circumstances, a lady had reached out to him and his brother claiming to be their sister. Now, to understand the story, you have to know that Wayne's father passed away when he and his brother were quite young. And in those days, there weren't a lot of resources, a lot of help 
for single moms. And she struggled to raise two very energetic boys. All of this is happening in the mid-50s. And in that period of time, Wayne's mother became pregnant and the father did not want to claim the child. Now there came yet another choice. Kay refused to get an abortion, but she knew that she could not raise the child in her condition. And with the help of some distant relations, she went away to Kentucky around the time that she was to deliver and she birthed a little baby girl. The girl was then adopted by a family from the Chicago area, grew up as the daughter and a sister in a very loving and caring home. And Arlene decided to act upon some information that she had learned about a relative in Minneapolis. Finds an email address, drafted an email that sat in her inbox and in her send box for months. And then one day in a very brave moment, send. And she was introduced into our world. Arlene is the mirror of her birth mom has so many features of her biological father. It's interesting because even the mannerisms, the way she loves music, the, the characteristics, the, the little things, the idiosyncrasies that she does is so much her biological mom. It's uncanny. Unfortunately, Arlene and Wayne's mother passed away a few years before Arlene had the opportunity to meet her. But why do I share that? Because it's about a choice. The sad thing is how the prince of this world has blinded the eyes of the people of this world from seeing the truth. And that Satan loves to convince people that have endured choices in their past that they are never able to rise above them or to be forgiven. The devil seeks to trap people in their darkness and to hold them captive for how they live and the choices that they have made. But the beautiful thing is that God has sent his son into the world to bring life to bring light, to bring them to grace and to truth. As verse 14 tells us, and understand that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, life is sacred. Life has value. And life is what Christ came to give to us as an alternative to everything that we have created in our humanity, as an attempt to think ourselves distinct from everything that God has made us to be. Life is sacred. It's precious. And everything about life and what it means, the world around us is looking for a life that is smothered in the darkness. Remember that when you're interacting with the people around you who are not aware of Christ. Don't use the light as a weapon. That's not how Christ came. He did not come into this world to condemn the world any further. The world already stands in condemnation. By the way, that's what we'll get to in chapter 3. But he came so that the world might have life. And that everyone who would believe on the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, would know this life and have what he describes as eternal life. It's not because they're good people. It's not because they've cleaned up their act. It's not because they're perfect. It's because they're sinners, and that's who needs him. The sinners need Christ, and I'm the chiefest of them. I beg to differ with Paul. And so we understand that there are people all around us, young men and young women, are struggling with the passions of their life, and they make a choice. A little life is now conceived within the womb of this young lady, and now there is another choice. And the basis of the value of life 
is what will guide them to make the right choices. I'm grateful for places like Choice that stands in that gap and confronts these young men and women, some of them not so young, but in places where they are confronted with the next choice. And they do it in a way that is loving, but yet it's sharing the truth. You need Christ. You need to bear the understanding of the weight of your responsibility. You have a choice. And it doesn't have to be abortion. It could be adoption. It could be that maybe you don't see yourself right now capable of having a child. But with the right resources and the right help, you could do it. And it's amazing what has happened. Roe v. Wade went down. Woo! But where was the church to come alongside then those same expectant mothers who were wondering, then how am I supposed to care for this child? Let's give them a choice. And that sense then of understanding of what Christ does is he tells us as a church to love on these people, care for them, protect them, but share Christ with them. Life has value. Life is sacred. Value the life of that person who is in the darkness trying to imagine life and create life and live life without the author of life. Put yourself into their shoes because that's where we are many times. That's where we were many times. That's how we can function many times. Help people to come and see Jesus by your life and by your words. Life. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. Father, I pray the Lord, you would help us to witness life, to bear witness of what we understand as the person of Jesus Christ that gives to us this life. And life is because it's distinct. It's different from all the rest of the creative order. We are truly uniquely crafted by God's design. But life also is based upon its value, founded upon a choice. And when the choices are presented between an abortion, maybe, or even adoption, or just simply raising this child, Lord, let it be because they understand the value of life. Lord, I'm grateful for the many with even our own church that have taken and opened their homes to other children, adopted them, cared for them in the foster care system, been a partner with people to help give children hope in a life, even though it's difficult, it's hard. I'm thankful for those young parents that have made a choice to keep a child and to raise this child, to find value in what it means to be a mom, to be a dad. Well, I'm grateful, more importantly, though, that you came and that Mary didn't abort you. But in that plan, that purpose, that intended, that understanding of the timing of everything, this woman, through all kinds of oppressive circumstances, accepted the responsibility of being the mother of the Son of God. I'm grateful she accepted the choice. Well, I'm grateful for the adoptive father that Joseph was, that against all of the retaliation of the people around him and the, the looks, he took it upon himself to become an earthly father to the son of the heavenly father. Choices. Lord, I thank you for life. I thank you for the life of my four boys and that little one that you took from us a little earlier than we expected. I'm thankful for the life of every child that's in our children's program and in our nursery. And I'm thankful for every parent 
that made a choice. Lord, I pray for the heart that may even be in this room this morning that made a choice maybe in their past, whether it was to release a child to the care of another family in adoption, or maybe they themselves have made a choice in their past to abort. Father, I pray that you would always remind them of how much you love them and that your grace is sufficient and that in truth you understand the consequences but yet in truth you also give them a choice. Lord, bring hope. Bring healing. Not just to our country but to our world through the person of Jesus Christ. And may we bear you well with us so that we do not show people a weaponized version of our faith but a truth that can change the heart and bring newness of life to anyone who will believe in the person of Jesus Christ. Life is precious. You are precious. Thank you for the love that you've shed abroad in our hearts. And it's in Christ's name we pray. say thank you to Anthony Griggs and Priscilla Bowley for uh, joining us today. And I'm going to let you guys slip out if you want to the table in the foyer. And if you'd like to chat with them or if you have any questions about choices in the ministry there, uh, I know that they would love to, to speak with you about that. Um, thank you also for some volunteers that we have within our church that uh, go to choices on a regular basis and help. They're appreciative of that. Um, also, if you want to give, uh, that was mentioned earlier, um, you can put that in the receptacles there in uh, the end of the, for, uh, 
lobby area and um, or give online. We'd love for you to do that if you're interested in that. Um, thank you for joining us today. We do have a, a fellowship time for uh, our congregation and visitors uh, in the fellowship hall for the next 25 or 30 minutes. So feel free to join us there. We'd love to meet you. Lord bless you. You're dismissed.